let's get into the word of God today. Thank you, Jesus. If you open your Bibles, the book of Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter 12. I want to say a big thank you to all of those uh, who are part of our uh, flight school class right now that we have. Uh, all those students who are attending every Sunday. Uh, what a wonderful and awesome class that we have. Come on, give them a hand, please. It's a really, really good class uh, full of students who are hungry to learn the things of God. And I believe you're going to be blessed when they start get up in front of you and they teach. You know, we have them all teach. Amen. We throw them in the fire. But y'all going to be blessed because we got some really, really good students in this class. And we always do. Uh, I'm, I'm just thankful that we have, uh, I mean, don't take this wrong, a stall full of quality teachers and preachers of the gospel in this church. Amen. Amen. And uh, I can tell you, many of y'all, not most of y'all, I put y'all against any pastor in this city in terms of delivering the gospel, preaching the word of God. I put y'all against any pastor, you name them, in this city, I put y'all against them. You know, if there were ever competition, there were. But there is no competition. But if there were ever, I, I, I wouldn't even submit myself. I, I, let, me, let me see in one of my. <laughs> Come on, guys. These, these people can teach. Am I right about it? Have y'all heard the teachers that we have here in this church? They can cold teach and preach the gospel. Amen. And I'm very, very proud of every one of them. Amen. All right. So let's open our Bibles in Hebrews chapter 12, please. And we're going to read verses 22 through 24. Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. When you have it, say amen. amen. All right. When you get there, you'll find these words. In fact, when you find these words, how about you read with me? Okay, you got it? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. My focus scripture is verse 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaks better things than that of Abel. Today I want to talk on the subject, the voice of the blood, the voice of the blood. Our Father God, today we thank you and praise you for the opportunity we have now to spend this time in your word. I ask that, Father, you open our eyes to see wondrous things out of your word. Open our ears to hear things we've never heard before, God. I pray, Father, you make a, a spiritual deposit on the inside of us that we can draw on for days and weeks and years to come. God, of the great things that you put in our spirits, that, God, we can apply what we receive today to our daily lives and see immediately the difference that's made in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. All right, now, I've been talking to you on Wednesday nights about how the Lord is expecting us to operate on a different level, to operate differently than the world. Because Jesus said it this way, we're in the world, but we're not, we're not of this world. Everybody say, I'm not of this world. Which means that you and I, because we're not of this world, we have a different uh, makeup 
We have a different DNA. Do you all agree with that? The Bible says you and I have been made partakers of God's divine nature because of his great and precious promises. Right? And so we're not of this world, although we're in this world. So we got to function here even though we're not from here. Okay? Which means that you and I, we operate in two dimensions. Am I right about it? We operate in two dimensions. You, you got here, uh, you drove here today, or you rode here today. You operate in a natural dimension. But, but there's also another dimension that's, just, that's more real than this dimension that you and I have to learn to operate in, and that's the dimension of the spirit. Okay? So we have to begin to master spiritual things, spiritual laws, because we come from a different place. Everybody say, say I'm from a different place. In Philippians 3.20, Paul said it this way. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. I have citizenship in heaven. So you and I have dual citizenship, right? You're an American citizen, right? Uh, you're a citizen of this earth, but you also, he says, our citizenship is in heaven, which means that we draw our salary, we draw our uh, retirement, we draw uh, our benefits, which means we draw our support, which means we draw our security from heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. So we operate in two different dimensions. Uh, Deacon Gershom had a chance, he was in, you were in D.C. a few weeks ago, right? And you visited people from what nation? Sierra Leone, which is where your father's from, right? That's where your, your roots are from. And uh, he was excited because he took pictures with the, uh, was it the ambassador or representative from Sierra, Sierra Leone there in, in D.C., Washington, D.C.? And I, and I said, man, ask for dual citizenship. And he was like, you think? <laughs> you do not think that is too much? <laughs> I'm like, no. No, nah. nah, go for it, man. Be, be a dual citizen. I mean, you, you, his heritage is from Sierra Leone. What, well, what's the benefit of a dual citizenship? You get the benefits of both nations. You get the benefits of both nations. Our citizenship is in heaven, which means we get the benefit of both places. Now, our main citizenship is heaven. Can you hear me this morning, yes. our, this afternoon? Our main citizenship is in heaven. So we need to draw all of our benefits from heaven. Thank God for benefits on your job. But my main benefits, bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all his benefits. I don't thank God for these natural benefits, but see, the, the, the benefits you get here is you can go to the doctor. But the benefits you get from there is he heals all your diseases. Oh, y'all not saying anything. The benefits you get from here is you have good insurance in case anything goes wrong. But the benefits you have there is he redeems your life from destruction. Natural insurance can cover your losses, but it can't put your life back together. See, the higher benefits, but I'm preaching better than y'all letting on already. The higher benefits are from our citizenship in heaven. Y'all got that? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, we are ambassadors for Christ. So we have citizenship in heaven, and then we are ambassadors for Christ. Which means, now watch this, here's a word you need, diplomatic immunity. We have, this is very important, diplomatic immunity. 
You've heard of people in the country when they visit America and they uh, get involved in some little, little skirmish, some little thing, you know, and they say, hey, I'm diplomatic community, which means you can't press charges against me. You can't touch me because I'm a citizen or an ambassador or a diplomat from another country and your laws in your country do not apply to me. Your laws in your country do not apply to me. I wish I had a few more people got this. Your laws in your country do not apply to me. Now, if you got a problem with me, you can, you can expel me from your country and send me back to my country, but you cannot prosecute me by your laws because I have diplomatic immunity. So if I'm a, a citizen of heaven, an ambassador of heaven, I'm granted what's called diplomatic immunity. Now, diplomatic immunity, let's see what that is. Put it on the screen for me. Diplomatic immunity is a status granted to diplomatic personnel that exempts them from the laws of a foreign jurisdiction. I'll let you, let you digest that. It's a status given to you, granted to you, that exempts you, the diplomat, from the laws of a foreign jurisdiction. So if our citizenship is in heaven, come on, and I, we're ambassadors from heaven. We are here on foreign soil. In a foreign jurisdiction. Which means the laws of this jurisdiction cannot apply to us. All right? Let me help you with that. Pastor, give me some scripture. Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now... What does condemn mean? It means to sentence, to judge, to sentence. Y'all still trying to catch up. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That means that the world's things cannot judge us, cannot sentence us, cannot. We're immune. Okay, let me keep going for you. Who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Now, I think this, this second part is very important as a matter of lifestyle, but many translations don't include that second half. There are many translations that you read in the Bible that they don't include that second half who do not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because it's good to have that. We need that. That's important. But the fact of the matter is, period, point blank, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Period. You cannot be sentenced by the world's laws. Now, I'm not talking about American law. I'm talking about the laws of this earth system. So I don't want you going there thinking you're going to murder somebody and not go to 49th Street and then going on to Chattahoochee. Uh, 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 law to correction somewhere. You're going, you're going to end up somewhere serving some time if they don't put you on that old Sparky. Right? So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this earth's laws. Earth's laws. The world system's laws. We have citizenship in heaven. We are ambassadors of Christ. And then it says, so there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now you add here, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Verse 2, watch this. Remember, you have, you have diplomatic immunity, Chris. For the law of the spirit of Christ has exempted you. 
made you free from the law of sin and death. That's the law that's operating in the earth. I'm not talking about not stealing and not killing and not uh, jaywalking. I'm talking about the law of sin and death. That's what's working against you and me. But the higher law that I'm under, because I'm a citizen of heaven, an ambassador from heaven, I have diplomatic immunity, so that law of sin, sin and death does not apply to me. Although I'm here. Which means I can walk and live among folk and your law doesn't apply to me. Let me, give you a, let me give you an example. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's so good. In the world, if you drink poison, it's supposed to sicken you and make you die. But Jesus said, I'm giving you a different law. You who believe on my name, in my name, if you drink anything deadly, y'all don't even know your benefits, it will not harm you. Pastor, you're saying we should go around drinking poison. I'm not telling you to go around drinking poison. I'm telling you, but if poison is put in you, which I think that's what this virus and the, this vaccine is all about, it's a, it's a, it's a poison. It, it says, all the stuff that goes along. He says, uh, if you drink anything daily, it will by no means hurt you, which means there are people who go around intentionally trying to poison you. Y'all don't, I, I, I'm not sure if y'all get it. See, he put us under a different set of laws, a different set of rules. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. I got, I got a ways to go, so let me, let me move on. So we function differently. So what I've been teaching you on Wednesday nights is how to function with a different set of rules and a different, a different armor, a different arsenal. 2 Corinthians 10 uh, three and four says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Right? Verse three. For, verse four says, uh, for the weapons of our warfare, come on, are not carnal, natural, but are mighty through God, are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So we walk in the flesh, but we don't war according to the flesh. So that means that we don't, we don't handle things the way the world handles things. We don't respond to things the way the world responds to things. Our defense system is not the same as their defense system. Our weaponry system is not the same as their weaponry system. We live in this world, we live in this flesh, but we don't live according to the flesh. We don't war according to the flesh. Our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. So I've been walking through and showing you some uh, spiritual weapons. Am I right about it? Yes, sir. So I talked to you a few weeks ago about the sword of the spirit. Yes, sir. Remember the sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6, 17? Yes, sir. Where Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. And then he says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. So the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's, what, that's part of our armor here, part of our weaponry, right? Because yes, we're not warring according to the flesh. Using carnal weapons. Okay? Then, and I talked about how the word of God is, is the most potent force in the universe, right? 
And the Bible told us in Ephesians 5.1, an Amplified Classic, to be imitators of God and copy him and follow his example. So we operate the way God operates. Right? If the U.S. has an ambassador to Russia, to Kenya, to Haiti, to, to Colombia, they don't operate differently than the government here. If so, they will not be ambassador for long. So we're to copy God. All right. We're to imitate God. So then I talked about the voice of the word, Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you as angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice or heeding the sound or heeding the noise of his word. So we use the word. Remember, all this started from that prophecy I, I shared with you from that Wednesday morning where God said, use my word. Right? Okay. So the voice of the word. So the word is part of our weaponry. Then this past Wednesday night, we talked on something called the voice of the spirit. Do y'all remember that? Yes, and I talked about how you and I must learn, must know how to hear and know the voice of God's spirit. Because he is talking. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. He's talking today. Yes, sir. In John 10, verse 27 and 28, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Then he said in verse 28, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So notice that when we follow the voice of the Spirit, he leads us out of danger, into safety, over into abundance. Out of danger, into safety, over into abundance. Whether it's financially, whether it's spiritually, whether it's emotionally, whether it's, it's physically. Do you remember this, uh, 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 September 11, 2001, what happened? When the World Trade Centers were attacked, when the, the planes fell down, uh, planes were, were crashed intentionally here, and we saw those things happening, and their testimony of the testimony of people who worked in that downtown area, even the trade, World Trade Center, who, who said, that morning something told me, and they now know, the Lord told me, don't go in today. Take a different route. They didn't know why, they just had this inner witness said, go to a different route today. It's the voice of the Spirit. Remember I told you in, in Romans chapter 8, I believe it's verse 16, where the Bible says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God, or children of God. So the, the Spirit of God speaks right there quietly. So you may not hear a booming voice all the time. Some of the people ride around, you know, waiting to hear lightning flashing, you know, and thunder roaring and stuff like that. But you don't get it all the time. Most times you never get that. You're going to get this still small voice on the inside, this unction, or what we might call a leading. Anybody ever had a leading of the spirit? Well, I just, I sense. Right? My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. So I told you Wednesday night, stop going around and saying, I don't hear God. If you don't hear God, you're not born again. If you don't hear God, you're not born again. So you might want to get that part straightened out first. Because, if, and I'm not saying you're not born again. I, know, I believe you are born again. I'm trying to get you to stop saying I don't hear God. Because you didn't get born again without hearing God. That's the only way you got born again was because you heard God the first time. No, I just came to the altar. Not on your own, you heard God. 
He drew you to him. So what you got to do now is say, I hear God all the time. Say it, I hear God all the time. Hallelujah. You're just not recognizing that you're hearing God. You're thinking it's you and it's not you. Some told you, put a thousand dollars in an offering for Zambia. You that wasn't you. You know, you know that wasn't you. And it wasn't the devil. It was God. You hear God. You hear God. You hear him all the time. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. And they follow me. Y'all got it. Now, just, just a matter of view here, the spirit of, Spirit's voice is always truthful. It's always aligned with God's will, always prophetic, and always glorifies Jesus. I gave you four checkpoints Wednesday night to, to know that you're hearing God's voice. Because there, the Bible says there are many voices in the, in the earth, and none of them without significance. So you're going to hear voices. And I'm not talking about you being schizophrenic. I'm talking about you're going to hear voices in, in the inside. You've got to make sure you know what's God's voice and what's not God's voice. Okay. It's always truthful, always aligned with God's will, always prophetic, and always glorifies Jesus. I encourage you to go back and listen to that from Wednesday night. All right, now, today I want to talk about another weapon. Something else in our arsenal that the older saints knew about. I said the older saints knew about it. I grew up in the church, and they knew about this weapon, the blood of Jesus. But most newer saints don't know anything about the blood of Jesus. Many newer saints aren't even de uh, delving deep into the things of God enough to know that we have these spiritual weapons. That's why many newer saints are, are suffering the same atrocities as the world. As if they're not different, as if they're not separate, as if we're not exempt. I mean, what you learned today just in, just in the opening of this message was that you're exempt. I mean, if I just closed my Bible and said amen right there, that's enough for you to say, okay, wait a minute. My life got to change then. I can't have the same stuff happening to me that happens to the world. Oh, y'all ain't saying I can't have the same stuff happening to me that happens to the world. Not if I'm exempt. Well, no, Pastor, you know, everybody's here. You, you got to go through some stuff. Read your Bible. Read your Bible and prove that to me. Well, in every life, a little rain must fall. First of all, Reb, rain is good. Rain is good. Rain is not bad. God always spoke well of rain. I will send rain on you in your season. Rain is a good thing. What, what's happened is you've taken the world's twisted meaning and you've made rain mean something bad. Rain is good. <laughs> All right? But what about the storms? Well, the storms come in life. The storms came against Jesus Christ. But what happened when Jesus Christ and the disciples out on the storm? They didn't drown. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said, Hey, what are y'all, why are y'all so fearful? Y'all remember that? The Mark, the end of Mark chapter 4. He said, why are y'all so fearful? How is it you have no faith? Yeah, it's like, y'all know it's a storm, so what? 
We're exempt from the storm. I don't know if y'all getting this here. We're exempt from that. And you and I have to know that and to, to, uh, in order to, to uh, walk in that, use what we have. And I'm telling you, one of the problems about the modern day church is people have no idea about the power of the blood. Y'all, this I know I'm right. Because when I was growing up, if you mention the blood, people get quickened. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood, 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 the blood. But now you mention the blood and people are like, blah. It's just because we don't know. So again, I'm not picking on you. I just, I just understand we don't know. The power in the blood. But the blood has a voice. <laughs> this is the blood of Jesus. We used to say growing up, I used to hear this all the time, I plead the blood. Somebody say, I plead the blood. How many ever heard it before, I plead the blood? All right. How many of you make regular use of that, though? Don't, don't, don't answer, don't answer. You make regular use of that. Because I saw it was only about four hands went up. Only, uh, we don't regularly use pleading the blood. It's because we don't understand the power in the blood. That just as much as the word has a voice, as much as the spirit has a voice, the blood has a voice. That the blood isn't just applied, but when the blood is applied, it speaks. Oh, boy. The blood is saying something. Woo. The blood is shouting something. But you got to give voice to the word that then gives voice to the blood. Now, I want to say this right off rip for all the theologians in the house. There is no scripture you'll find about pleading the blood. In other words, no scripture, there's no scripture that says plead the blood. So if all the people who want to judge me, theologians want to judge me, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about the theologians online who want to judge me about preaching about pleading the blood, they're going to say, that ain't in the Bible. You're right, it ain't in the Bible. But I can still show you how it works. <laughs> And I tell you what, you don't do it, and I do it, and we'll see who gets through the next storm. I plead, I plead the blood. Somebody say, there's power in the blood. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood that was shed for us. Look at Hebrews 12 and verse 24. Well, I'm going to start at verse 20, 22 for context sake, please. Thank you, Lord. The writer is here saying, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So you and I have an innumerable, which means uncountable, number of angels. 
Glory to God. They're here right now with us. The angels in this place right now. I like to say, as Dr. Winston says, they enjoy my preaching. Hallelujah. He says to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all. Notice what we have. He's, he's naming all the things that we have on our side, the things that we are part of and that are part of us, the things that uh, we're working with and that are working for us. Do y'all see this? The general assembly of the church is, is, is we're part of that. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Then he says, verse 24, finally, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Now, how did he mediate the new covenant? By his blood. When he went to Calvary's cross, he mediated the new covenant. Or he was the go-between, the, the intermediator, intermediary, between man and God. He came to reconcile man to God. So when he went to the cross, died, went into hell, paid the price, and was raised in from the dead on the third day morning, he paid the price and reconciled man back to God. He brought us together again. That chasm that was there from the time Adam sinned was now closed up again. He restored us back and he established a new covenant. We know that Hebrews talks about in chapter 6 and uh, chapter 8 a better covenant actually based on better promises. Chapter 8. A better covenant based on better promises. So this covenant is better than the old covenant. And the old covenant has some glory to it. The old covenant was so gloriful, uh, gl glorious that, that, that Moses, when he went into the tabernacle and he, he, he'd go in there and he'd go up on the mountain with God and the, that, that, that law was read, his face absorbed the glory of that old covenant. Yes, sir. Come on, sir. Yes, Such that when he read to the people, the Bible says he had to read with a veil over his face. Because the glory of that old covenant was strong. But you and I have a better covenant, better glory, greater glory, much more glorious than the old covenant. And Jesus Christ, when he went to Calvary's cross, he came and he became the mediator of that new and that better covenant. Now watch this, Hebrews 12, 24. Let's read it here. It says, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to, and to the blood. Y'all missed it. We came to Jesus and to the blood. He separated the blood from Jesus. Now it's Jesus' blood, but he's, he's, he's identifying pieces, parts, components that you and I come to. So the blood of Jesus is, is as important to us as Jesus. Enough for the Holy Spirit to identify it separately. And to the blood of the sprinkling, notice this, this that speaks better things than that of Abel. So the blood speaks. I don't know if y'all catching this yet. The blood speaks. So like I said, 
Pleading the blood is not in the Bible, but the blood will plead for you. Because the blood speaks. The blood has a voice. Let me just let me just walk through this here. Now he says, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now I know y'all think about sprinkling, I'll come back to that. But I want to deal with this part. He says that speaks better things than that of Abel. So he says, the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things than that of Abel. That what? That blood of Abel. Okay. All y'all, some of y'all seen it. So go to Genesis chapter 4. Some of y'all are waking up now. Genesis chapter 4. So his blood speaks better than Abel's blood. Pastor, I don't believe blood talks. Okay. Okay. I, I received the challenge. Genesis 4. And here, you know the story. Look up to me. Look up. You know the story. Adam and Eve, they get over into sin. Booted out of the garden. They, in the process of time, uh, they had a son uh, named him Cain. Means I've obtained or acquired a man from the Lord. Named him Cain. And then, again, they had a son named Abel. Now, we don't know whether they're twins or not. We, we can't prove it based on what we read. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. We don't have enough proof to say either way. But we know by this time they have Cain and they have Abel. The Bible tells us that, that Abel was one. He, he tended to the flock, the sheep, and all the animals. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. Right? God, it came time they're going to bring an offering to God. They're going to bring an offering to God. Abel brought a, his best offering. In fact, Hebrews 11 says that by faith, Abel offered an offering to God. A, a by faith. He offered a perfect, a pleasing offering to God by faith. Problem was Cain when operating by faith. Cain didn't operate as if God deserved anything. Cain brought some leftover stuff. Now, people say, well, the reason why God didn't accept Cain was because Cain didn't make a sacrifice. Cain didn't bring an offering. Well, Cain was until of the ground. That's what he's supposed to bring. He's supposed to bring first fruits of his ground. God wasn't mad at him because he, because he didn't bring an animal. But he brought some leftover. He brought, he brought the, those deformed carrots. You know them deformed carrots? You... <laughs> he brought cabbage that was half rotted to, to the Lord. He, He's like, here, Lord. And the Bible says that God accepted Cain, uh, uh, Abel's offering, but he did not accept Abel's, uh, uh, Cain's offering. Let me get this right. He accepted Abel's offering, but did not accept Cain's offering. Well, Cain got upset. Got mad. Got looked look, look in his feelings about, God, how you going to take his and not take mine? And God, he said, Cain, he said, listen, Cain. He said, hold on. If you do right, won't I accept you? He said, King, you don't have to be upset. Just do right. I'll accept you. He says, but, he says, but if you don't do right, sin lies at the door. And it's crouching and it wants to take over you. God warned him. He said, listen, Cain, if you don't fix this right now, sin is waiting to take over. God gave him a fair warning. 
And Cain stayed in his feelings. Always, listen, anytime God gives you a warning, get out of your feelings. Because sin is waiting to take over. So he didn't sin because of his sacrifice. He sinned because his emotions got the best of him. So what happened? He didn't make it right. And one day, look at verse 8. Verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and did what? And did what? So here we have the first murder on record. And he killed him. He killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? I just, can, I, can I just can I pause here? This is just a, a note. Uh, keep this in your, in your, in your, your mental bank. Anytime God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. So don't play dumb with God. Anytime God asks you a question, Moses, what's that in your hand? Oh, it's a rod. You don't think God knew it was a rod already? He's trying to get Moses to, to see something. Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? Lord, you know. I know, I know. I want to know, do you know? Jeremiah, is there anything too hard for me? You know, Lord, I know, I know. I want to know, do you know if there's anything too hard for me? So anytime God, tell your neighbor, anytime God asks you a question, don't play dumb. God knows the answer. He wants to know, do you know the answer? God knows. Where is Abel, your brother? Now watch Cain playing dumb. He said, I do not know. <laughs> now he's going to be slick. Am I my brother's keeper? Like, dude, you're talking to God. Didn't your parents already tell you? Didn't, remember, remember God's question to Adam? Adam, where are you? God already knew where Adam was. He already knew. Oh, oh, I was hiding. Yeah, I know, I know. That's, didn't your parents already give you a heads up, man? Don't. When God asks you a question, just straight up, just give him an answer. If God asks you, can I make, a make you a millionaire, don't say, I don't know. Yes. Say, yes, Lord, yes, you can, yes, you can, because you wouldn't ask me that if you weren't. So he said, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10, verse 10, verse 10, verse 10, verse 10. Ha! Here comes God with the answer. And he, God, said, what have you done? The voice 
of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Where is Abel? That's, that's, that's what God asked, asked Cain. Where is Abel? He said, I don't know. He said, that's interesting. It's interesting because I hear the voice of your brother's blood. God says the voice of his blood cries out to me. That means that although Abel is dead, Abel has no more breath, no more voice, his blood still speaking. So don't tell me blood can't talk. God says his blood is speaking. His blood is crying out. The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me. From the ground. And because he spilled his brother's blood on the ground, God said, here's a curse that you're going to have. That ground, the ground on this earth will never yield again for you. Now that's tough for a guy who's a tiller of the ground. Because you spilled his blood on the ground, you're not going to get anything out of it. So wherever Abel's blood was applied, it changed. Wherever, where, y'all miss it. Where Abel's blood was applied, it changed the situation. It went from good to bad. I'm going to come on this side for also people. Where Abel's blood was applied, it changed from good to bad, from producing to non-producing, from fertile to infertile. So wherever blood is applied, it changes the character, the nature, the condition of what it's applied to. Some of y'all is going way over your head. So if you apply the blood of Jesus over your family, over your money, over your body, it'll change the condition. Oh my, 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 my. Of whatever it's applied to. So though you may not see in the word, I plead the blood or I apply the blood, I just showed you the principle is right there that wherever you apply the blood, because the writer of, of Hebrews dictated to us that the blood of sprinkling speaks better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood was crying out to God. Abel's dead, but his blood is still speaking. Abel's gone, but there's remnant from Abel that's still speaking. I, in fact, for years, I've used this very verse. Many years ago, the Lord told me to begin to pray over unsolved murder cases in this area. 
He had me go through and, and just on the city of St. Pete's, uh, the city of uh, St. Pete's uh, police department and, and just look up all the cold cases and begin to lay my hands on those pictures, begin to pray over cold cases. And he reminded me of this very verse. I use this very verse, that their blood cries out from the ground. That every unsolved murder in this area, that even though the police have no clue what's going on, their blood is crying out and God hears and he knows that blood. And God knows, and I, I begin to ask him to send angels right there and peel back the covers and reveal things that the investigators couldn't find 20 years ago and 10 years ago and 5 years ago and last year and what happened? I began to see story after story after story and story after um, cases that were closed 20 and 30 years ago or cases that were cold and they had ne never found the actual uh, villain of that case and now all of a sudden, hey, they got a clue. I can't tell you how much that would encourage me. Every time I heard about a cold case being solved, I just say, thank you. That's how intercession works. God puts something on your heart to pray it. And if he gives you that assignment, you do it. You carry it out. And when I was back here studying this this week, I said, okay, I'm going to get back on that because I saw a lot of cold cases solved, but I'm going to get back on that now. Praying back these cold cases. Why? Because although the person is deceased, although the natural courts have no ending, no conclusion, there's been no justice serves, the court of heaven is hearing the plea of the blood of that murdered individual. Thank you, Lord. Miss Lynette, did they ever solve your husband's case? They did? Amen. Amen. Good. 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 Any other, they're going to be solved. Father Jesus' name, right now, we pray over every cold case on St. Petersburg's books. Father, hear the blood of those murdered individuals. Some families have never gotten closure. Some have never seen justice served, but God, you're the God of all justice, and we declare right now that the blood of every one of those individuals is crying out to you from the ground even now, and we say, angels, send for the angels to go and peel with the covers back and show every place in every case where something has happened, God, and cause justice to come forth. We demand it in the earth now. In Jesus' mighty name, we agree it's so. Now watch, you watch. You watch over the next 30 days. Watch over the next 30 days. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Their blood cries out. Thank you, Lord. So Abel's blood was crying out. Now, why is this so important? Why is it so powerful? Why is blood so powerful? Go to Leviticus, please. Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus. And chapter 17. And verse 13. Leviticus 17. Verse 13. Oh God, thank you Holy Spirit. 
Somebody's life is going to be radically changed today. Because you're about to put the blood on everything in your life. Mm. I said you're going to put the blood on everything in your life. I already asked y'all earlier how many of y'all do that all the time, and most of y'all didn't, didn't put your hand up, so come on now. That's, that's got to change the day, y'all. You just, you just got to call you ignorant if you don't use it now. I mean, once you know it, this powerful weapon that we have, do you know how long I've been declaring a five-mile bloodline around this church? Every time I pray over this church, I declare a five-mile bloodline around this church. A bloodline means the enemy can't penetrate. He can't get past it. <laughs> Are you in Leviticus 17? And verse uh, 13. Thank you, Jesus. It says, whatever man of the children of Israel, of the strangers who dwell among you, who hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall do what? Pour out its blood and cover it with dust. Verse 14, why? For it is the life of all flesh. I don't know if y'all got it. For You got to pour the blood out. For it is the life of all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore, I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh. For the life of all flesh is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. Ooh-wee. So do you see here, just from, I mean, I can go to other places here in scriptures where God said the same thing, that life is in the blood. That the blood sustains life. Or the blood keeps the life. So even if the life is gone, the blood still carries the essence of that life. So God's command was when you killed an animal to eat it, you would take the blood of it, you drain of the blood and pour it out on the ground and cover it up. Don't drink it. Don't eat it. Because that's its life. So people, I'm a vegetarian because, you know, it's wrong to eat the meat because that's its life. No, the blood is its life. Not the meat. The blood is its life. I said the blood is its life, not the meat. God said in the word, belly for the belly for the meats and meats for the belly. So God means for you to eat meat. But he don't want you to eat blood. Now I hear some of y'all, well, that's why I don't eat, eat no rare steak. Because that's blood. That, first of all, that's not blood, y'all. The red is not blood. That's the protein coming from the meat. That's not blood. Educate yourself on it. That's not blood when you eat red meat. That's not blood. Tell your neighbor, that's not the blood. That's the protein. That's, that's, that's the proteins breaking down, not blood. That's not blood. That's not blood. Stop burning your steaks and ruining good meat. 
I want my steak black. You what's wrong with you? Stop burning that good meat. That's not blood. No, my dad is no. That's that is not blood. Educate yourself. That's not blood. The blood is drained. That's leftover blood. No, that's not leftover blood. It's not. That's broken down proteins. Not blood. Can't take people anywhere, boy. They go to a fine restaurant and burn a people's steak. You go, you go to a fine restaurant and ask for a well-done steak. You ever notice the, the, way, the way it goes? They toot their nose at you because you're going you to cook this. That ain't how you do meat. You're disrespecting meat. Just order chicken, some chicken strips or something. Just don't even order no steak. Order some chicken strips. Get your cheeseburger and fries and ketchup and be done. <laughs> so, now watch. So, he said to us, golly, don't eat the blood because life is in the blood. Now, I'm going to flip it on you. Go to John 6. John 6. And verse 53. They'll put it on the screen for me. John 6, 53. Look, look, watch it on the screen. Watch on the screen. Look up, look up, look up, look up. Ready? Read. Why? Because life is in the blood. He said, so for me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's what we're going to do today. That's what communion is about, eating and flesh, drinking the blood. Yes, sir. He said, unless you do that, you have no life in you. So the only way to get my life in you is to drink my blood. Now, he's not talking about us literally drinking his blood. But he's talking about taking him in his totality, not leaving any part of him out. Y'all understand this here? But notice what he said. When you get the blood, you get life in you. You see this? So blood has life in it. In fact, if you want to know how you get oxygen throughout your body, it's through your blood. That's, that's how oxygen gets to all your body parts. Well, no, life is in when you breathe. Okay, you breathe. But breathing doesn't send the, the life, the oxygen through your body. It goes through your system, your, car, your cardiovascular system, and it takes that oxygen and then mixes it now into your blood and your bloodstream sends it throughout your body. Look it up. That's how it works. That's how you get life to your limbs. Through the blood. Life is in the blood. So Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So once you and I drink his blood, we have life in us. Y'all got this? Okay, let's, let's wrap this up here. I didn't realize it was so late. Okay, 
So we're talking about in Hebrews 12, 24, that is better than Abel, right? Yes, sir. Speak something better than Abel. Yes, sir. Now, Abel himself was a type of Christ. Right? Just a few examples. He was the second son. Right? Cain and Abel. Adam, Jesus. We saw that Abel gave a, a sacrifice acceptable to God. Jesus did that giving his own life. We saw Abel was rejected by his own brother. Just like Jesus. We saw Abel was killed by his own brother. Just like Jesus. That stands to reason then that of Abel's blood still speaks. Then Jesus' blood still speaks. Can you say amen to this? So Hebrews 12, 24 says that the blood speaks better things than that of Abel. So the blood speaks better things. Now, it talks about the sprinkling of blood. We know when Jesus Christ ascended, he sprinkled the blood on the what? On the mercy seat. So what does the blood then speak? Mercy. The blood speaks mercy. Now, watch, 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 watch. Can I show you one more thing about mercy? Abel was killed by Cain. So he showed no mercy. But then Cain asked for mercy. Did he not? Cain, when God said, you're going to be cursed on the earth, and Cain said, surely wherever I go, if somebody sees me, they're going to kill me. And God had mercy on him. Because Abel's blood is still speaking. And Abel's blood speaks mercy. And God said, okay, I'm going to show you mercy, Cain. I'm going to put a mark on you such that if anyone sees you, they cannot touch you. God put a mercy mark. I believe, I can't prove it and you can't prove I'm wrong, that God dipped Abel's blood and put a blood mark on his head. Prove me wrong. Doesn't matter. But God said, I'll put a mark on you so no one will touch you. And if anybody does, they'll be avenged. I'll avenge your blood sevenfold. Because I'm showing mercy. So the blood of Jesus Christ, the sprinkling of his blood, speaks better things than that of Abel. So when you and I come to God through his mercy seat, we obtain his mercy such that he now puts a mark on us. Okay, can I show you this? Can I show you this? Let me show you. Let me show you. Uh, oh, boy. Um, in Exodus. Let me show you one place here in Exodus. Exodus 12. Put up verse, uh, I'm going to go straight to the chase here because I'm out of time. Verse 13. Exodus 12, verse 13. Watch this. Remember the Passover? Yes, sir. The children of Israel are about to come out of Egypt? Yes, sir. Do y'all remember the Passover? Yes, now the blood, remember he told them, go, go kill a lamb. Now remember they already know they can't eat the lamb and drink the blood. 
They got to separate it. Now they ate the lamb. They ate the lamb. They consumed it. The lamb's gone. But the lamb, the power wasn't in the lamb. The power's in the blood. So he said, take that blood and put some blood on the lintel of your house and on the doorpost of your house. And make sure everybody's in the house. And then he says, verse, verse 13, now the blood shall be a what? That word sign literally means a significant mark. A distinguishing mark. The blood is a, it, oh my God. It distinguishes them from the rest. Because there's going to be an angel that's going to pass through there. He says, when I see the blood, I will do what? I will do what? And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt or when I strike the world system. So what happens to the world does not happen to you because there's blood on you. That blood is a mark, a significant mark, a distinguishing mark on you that allows you to be exempt from what comes on the rest of the world around you. I plead, I plead the blood. I plead, I plead the blood. I place the blood on my family every single day. I place the blood on my wife and my children. I place the blood on the ministry. I place the blood on you. I place the blood on my life. I place the blood on our property. I place the blood on our possession. I place the blood every day. Because the blood is a distinguishing mark that when anything comes through, it has to pass over. Has to go around because he says, and when I see, that word see literally means to perceive. So we don't know whether the blood, he, he could just see it or he could hear it. The translator said the word see. But you look it up in the, in the Hebrew, it just means to perceive. He, just, he knew it was there. He might have heard the, sand, heard, heard the blood talking about, go on, keep on going. Not here. We're covered. No, y'all don't get it. The blood speaks in your life. And there's all kind of hell breaking loose all around us. But when you're covered by the blood, all the hell breaking loose got to go around you, around your life, around your family, around your vehicle, around your house, around your ministry, around your business, around you. Hallelujah. I plead, I plead the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And what hits the world will not hit you. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I have no reason to go through what the world goes through. And don't listen to any non-faith, no faith, no knowledge of the scriptures people who tell you, well, you in here, you got to go through like anybody else. No, they're a liar. The truth ain't in them. They don't know what they have and they don't know what you have. When you know what you have, don't argue with them. Say, well, God bless you. I pray for you. But as for me and my house, we're covered by the blood. As for me and my family, we're covered by the blood. As for me and my business, we're covered by the blood. As for me and my finances, let a recession hit. Let inflation hit. My finances are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
All right, I'm out of time. But it's important to know what the blood will do for you. I'm going to read one place here. Media, put it on the screen for me. 1 John 5, 6 through 8 in the New Life Version. 1 John 5, 6 through 8 in the New Life Version. I think it's so critical that you and I know this. Because storms of life may blow. They're sure to come and go. But you and I, that's what the word said. Psalm 91. No evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. How are you going to have that happen? The blood. Before you leave your house that every day, plead the blood. Don't send your children on some school bus or some school campus and don't plead the blood of Jesus Christ over their lives. Our oldest daughter lives in a whole different state. You don't think I plead the blood over her life every day? I plead the blood over my child. She goes, she's a single young lady, a beautiful young lady. And you know, it's kind of crazy people out there. I plead the blood over her life. Yeah. Yeah. I put a distinguishing mark on her. Somebody say the blood has a voice. And it speaks mercy. Do you know you just coming to God, you come through the blood of Jesus Christ? Even if you've sinned, you come back through the blood. The Bible says his blood cleanses us from all sin. So when you come back through the blood, it's his mercy. The blood speaks. I don't know if y'all get it, man. The blood speaks up for you. Look at 1 John 5, 6 through 8, please, New Life Version. Listen to what it says. It says, Jesus Christ came by what? Water and blood. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. The Holy Spirit speaks about this, voice of the Spirit, right? And he is truth. There are three who speak of this in heaven. The Father... And the word, voice of the word, voice of the spirit. These three are one, verse eight. There are three who speak of this on the earth. The Holy Spirit and the water and the blood. These three speak. So don't tell me blood doesn't speak. Don't tell me the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't speak up for you. And for me. The blood still speaks. And the blood still works. And the blood still has power. It'll never lose its power. It'll never lose its power. We just say it reaches to the highest mountains. And lowest valleys. The blood that gives me strength. From day to day. It will never, never, 
lose its power. It's still speaking. It's still speaking. That blood you apply every day. I'm telling you, apply that blood to everything in your life. Stand to your feet. Apply to every area of your life. I started out by showing you today that you are exempt from the laws of this earth. You are a citizen of heaven, of heaven. You are an ambassador from heaven. You have diplomatic immunity. And when you plead the blood, that's a mark on you. People who are ambassadors, diplomats from other nations, on their cars, they have special license plates that identify them. And the police know, don't even bother pulling them over. They just don't, don't touch them. Because you can't, you can't do anything to them. Because they, their, their plates tell you, don't touch me. The blood, the blood. applied to your life tells the devil, well, you might as well go around. You might don't even touch them because you're going to waste your time bother with God's people. Now, if you don't know this, you don't apply this. And if you don't apply this, you don't get the benefits of it. But I'm believing God today that you will apply it. And you're like, Pastor, how do I do that? Is you speak it out of your mouth. In the name of Jesus Christ, I plead the blood over my family. I apply the blood over my family. I apply that blood that still speaks today. I apply that blood over my wife or my children, over my son, my daughter, over my, my husband, or whatever you have, you, you apply that blood. I apply that blood around my workplace. You ought to, you going, I don't care who you work for. You might work around all heathens. You better apply the blood. Because heathens, when they get upset, they bring guns and try to shoot things up. No, I apply the blood here. You get on the road, you're riding, driving somewhere, apply the blood. Because that blood has power. And the, here's the thing. The devil cannot override that blood. He cannot come against that blood. Mom, go back there. This young lady has her hand on. I want you to see what she, she wants to say. Oh, that's good. That's good. Hey, the weapon may form. <laughs> it won't prosper. And it didn't prosper because she applied the blood already. Pastor, I often got to reapply the blood every time, every time you think about it. Every, you know, you may not do it every day, but you just apply that blood. Because if you forget about it, 
See, now you're in trouble. See, because this, this works by faith. And if you forget about it, you're not, your faith isn't working on it. Your faith isn't working on it. Hallelujah. Well, I don't need all that. Well, you keep on going and take your chances. I'm not just gonna take, I'm just not gonna take any chances. Amen. I'm gonna plead that blood. Father, thank you today for the blood. Thank you for the power of that blood. Thank you for the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb that cleanses us, that washes us white as snow. God, that blood is so powerful that it still speaks today. That blood has much power today as it did 2,000 years ago when Christ shed that blood. That blood hit the ground and caused an earthquake and caused the heavens to shake and caused the veil or temple to be rent in two. Hallelujah. It caused Lord, uh, uh, the ground to quake and all things that happened because that blood was so powerful. That blood was speaking when Jesus Christ was shedding that blood. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying and began to sweat drops of blood. Angels had to come and minister to him. That blood was speaking even to the need, the need for help and assistance. And God, that blood still speaks and works in our lives this day. God, we apply the blood right now over this ministry. A five-mile bloodline all around this place that God, these grounds are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That every facility, every piece of ground, that God, everyone that walks in these ground, God, is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We pray right now and plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our lives. And when we go out, we are covered as we're driving on the streets and the highways. We are covered. We have a, a distinguishing mark upon us. That God, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That God, we, we declare the blood of Jesus Christ even now over our homes and our properties, God. That nothing can destroy our homes. Nothing can destroy our properties, oh God. Over our children, God, as they go about their days in school or wherever they may be, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over them. Not only those who are in our house, but those that are out of our houses. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over them right now. We plead the blood over our finances, oh God. That no devourer can touch our finances, oh God. And our, our finances continue to increase in the midst of depression and, re and recession and inflation, oh God, hallelujah. We are covered by the blood on every side in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that blood that we come through, Father. Even as we have sinned and erred and made, and made uh, mistakes and come short, that blood still brings us forgiveness of sins. That blood still redeems us. And we walk in that power. We walk in that victory today because of the blood. And Father, I pray even now that every one of these, your people, will, will every day apply faith to the Lord, to the pleading of the blood of Jesus Christ. That even as Abel's blood spoke and cried out to you from the ground, the blood of Jesus Christ speaks right now on our behalf. We can approach your throne of grace. We can find mercy and obtain help in time of need. And God, if there's anything the devil plans against us, he can't get past the blood. We thank you for the blood shed. Thank you that we have new life. We eat his flesh, Jesus' flesh, and we drink his blood, and we have life in us now, and forevermore we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.